What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to the Basement Talk podcast. Ed Burtzel, no Jake, no Adam. Just me. Just me. You get me all to yourself. So, we were supposed to record a further episode to end the week. But we just couldn't find a time or a day to do it. And of course, with fantasy drafts coming, figured, you know what? Let's come on and let's give a show to you wonderful, wonderful people. And what we're going to be doing today is kind of a spinoff on the bold prediction show that we had done a couple of episodes ago. Only now what we're going to be doing is we're going to be giving a bold prediction for every team from a fantasy perspective of course so you know programming note uh, jake will not be on at all next week it'll be adam and i for that week and then the following week of course jake will return and jake adam and i will be doing a collective mock the three of us so uh, that will be exciting and then of course you know we're just kind of slowly getting our way to to draft season because you know guess what in a month we're already thinking about week one preview. So, yeah, it is uh, it is coming. And while, and while we're on the subject, um, definitely something that I want to bring up, because there were some questions about what the show schedule would be like during the season, and hopefully I'll be able to answer those questions right now. So the plan is tentatively to do four shows during the season. The plan is to do a preview and review every single week like we have been doing then a waiver show which i know is a highly requested show that a lot of people were not too thrilled was gone last year uh we are going to be bringing that back so the waiver show will be back and of course the fantasy mailbags on saturday mornings now the plan right now in terms of days and things like that the review show, we are hoping we'll be able to do Sunday nights to have in your podcast inboxes on Monday morning. The waiver show, we are hoping to record Monday night before Monday Night Football and have in your inboxes Tuesday morning. If not then, then I would be doing a waiver show by myself Tuesday and then it'll be released uh, somewhat on the same day. Then the preview show we will be doing either on Wednesday or Thursday. Now, obviously, those days are you know flexible, but definitely before uh, Thursday night football uh, comes out, we will be recording that, and either will be released on that Thursday, or if we don't record it on Thursday, then it will be released on Friday. Followed up by, of course, the um, mailbag on Saturday mornings, which we usually record on Thursday or Friday anyway. So hopefully that clears up a lot of the. Uh, confusion about what the podcast schedule is going to be like for the season and uh yeah we're gonna be uh we're gonna be busy on the pod so hopefully everyone is going to uh, going to enjoy what's uh, what's coming out of here so uh, without further ado let's just go right into these bolt predictions so of course like i said i have a bolt prediction for every team a fantasy bolt prediction for every team within reason and we're going to go over them as best as, you know, we can. Granted, this is a one-man show, so um, I'm going to try my best and, you know, try and keep it as free-flowing as possible. Um, but, you know, if it's, a, if it's a little choppy, you have to forgive me. Uh, so, 
let's go right into the first prediction and let's just start in the NFC East with the Dallas Cowboys. And the bold prediction that I have here, it's a guy that, you know, we've talked about on the show constantly that, you know, he's a guy that you should be targeting in your drafts in the middle rounds currently being selected at the 6-8, and that is tight end Dalton Schultz. The bold prediction here is that Dalton Schultz will finish as a top three tight end in fantasy football. Have talked about this stat a thousand times. In a season which Dak Prescott has finished, no tight end in Dallas has had fewer than 90 targets. Dalton Schultz will get that 90 target threshold. Now the question is, what can he do on top of that to potentially challenge to be a top three tight end? Because you have George Kittle, you have Kyle Pitts, you have Darren Waller. What does he have to do to challenge those guys and get to be in the top three? Well, Dalton Schultz is probably you got to look at him and say, well, he's got to build on the 78 catches, 104 targets, 800 plus yards and eight touchdowns that he had a year ago. Now, when you're taking that into consideration as his pretty much baseline, you then need to go and look at what has left Dallas. What is no longer there? Amari Cooper is no longer there. 104 targets vacated for Amari Cooper. That's a significant chunk of targets that are now not in Dallas anymore. And Cedric Wilson as well, 61 targets that are no longer available in Dallas. So you're talking in the range of 165 targets that now are available to the likes of CeeDee Lamb, to the likes of Michael Gallup when he returns, to the likes of Tony Pollard, who I believe will have a, a significant part in the passing game for Dallas this year. Uh, Jalen Tolbert as well, a, a impressive rookie who has looked pretty good uh, in training camp thus far. And now with James Washington now on the shelf with a foot injury for the next 6 to 10 weeks is the estimated timeline for when James Washington could be expected back. There is a lot of responsibility now that can fall on the shoulders of, of Dalton Schultz. And he realistically now, before I didn't really see it, but now I, I've started to come around on oh, – I have to rephrase – I've always believed in Dalton Schultz. I think Dalton Schultz would, is going to be great, but I think he could be even better than great now when fully analyzing everything and now taking into account that a guy that Dallas really thought was going to be one of their starting three receivers in James Washington is now not going to be there. So it's going to be more responsibility now for Dalton Schultz. And I think a top three tight end finish is definitely within reason for Dalton Schultz, who right now is my tight end five, and I am considering, I don't know if I'm going to say really debating, but I'm, I'm thinking about moving Dalton Schultz up to my tight end four over George Kittle, but I'm not there yet, but I'm getting uh, a little bit closer to that, and it's possible within the next week or so that I could be in on that. But it's definitely something that I am uh, I'm considering when going through my ranks. The next one up, the New York Giants. And the bold prediction that I have for the New York Giants is not necessarily anything 
uh, numbers-wise in terms of where someone is going to finish. Because honestly, when you look at the Giants, there there is a lot of unpredictability with with this squad and what they're bringing to the table. One day you're hearing Daniel Jones looks like he's a rookie out there, and then you're hearing the next that Daniel Jones is looking great and he's got a mastery of the offense. So you really don't know what the deal is with the New York Giants at this present time. But what I can say about the New York Giants and where I'm actually really liking uh, the Giants is outside of Saquon Barkley, who, again, I definitely have my qualms with. He's currently going at the 2-8. He's definitely gaining steam, which I don't know if I'm going to love that. I mean, a month ago we were talking about him in the middle of the third round. I like that a whole lot more than I like him now with a two in front of in, in front of his ADP instead of a three. So I don't know if I'm going to be necessarily huge on on Saquon at his, at his current price. I think I'd rather you know see it. But a guy that I am very much in on at his current price, and this is the bold prediction that I have, is that Kenny Galladay, currently being drafted at the fourteen five, is proving going to prove to be a great fantasy value. The Giants paid Kenny Galladay. 12 months ago, a little more, a little more, say 16 months ago, to be their number one receiver. They obviously drafted Kadarius Tony. They're expecting Kenny Galladay with that number to be a dominating factor in the passing game. He's looked good in training camp so far. Brian Dable has wanted to get Kenny Galladay very much involved in the Giants offense, which is great news. And you also have to consider that Kenny Galladay, like I said before, it was paid to be a number one receiver for this offense. Now, regardless of how you feel about the offense, it may stink, sure, but there's going to be a lot, lot of garbage time potential with the New York Giants this year, and that could bode well for someone like Kenny Galladay, who I'm getting a little smitten with, especially at that price. I think it's a really decent price to pay for someone that... You know, no more than in 2019. He was spectacular. 11 touchdowns for him. 2020, not his best year, was not healthy, only played in five games. And then had nothing last year. Absolutely nothing in in 14 games. So I love the price. And it's something where, you know what, if it doesn't pay out, you can cut him and no harm, no foul. But I do believe given the situation around the New York Giants right now, that there is some value in taking Kenny Galladay in the 14th round. And not to mention, if Daniel Jones does stink and they decide that the whole Daniel Jones thing is done in New York and they decide to go with Terod Taylor, who is the backup quarterback there, I think Terod Taylor could still be pretty viable for someone like Kenny Galladay, I think Terod Taylor would actually be maybe, if not anything, maybe a little bit better for Kenny Galladay. And I'm not saying this isn't the same token. I'm not saying Daniel Jones is a Russell Wilson, but look at what happened Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf last year. DK Metcalf was not the same guy with Russell Wilson that he was with Geno Smith. Geno Smith had one direction locked in on every drop back. It was going to DK Metcalf. Could that happen with Terod Taylor and Kenny Galladay if, if that is something that's, that arises with the New York Giants? Yeah, it, it is definitely remotely possible. So at the 14.5, I'm loving the price for Kenny Galladay, especially for a guy that right now you're talking about 
as maybe not a clear-cut number one receiver, but a 1A, 1B most certainly for a Giants team that will be passing the ball a whole heck of a lot. The Philadelphia Eagles, Miles Sanders will finish outside the top 30 of running backs and currently my RB29, so I'm lower on Miles Sanders than the consensus is. I'm just not feeling it with with Sanders. Then you've had reports that Kenny Gainwell is taking RB1 snaps in training camp for the Philadelphia Eagles. That just spells bad, bad news. And this is coming for, from a, for a guy as well that really did not have, for me at least, a lot of a lot of significant touchdown upside did not record a rushing touchdown last year in 12 games had six in 2020 and then three in his rookie year in 2019 his number probably is in the range of four or five like i don't expect miles sanders to be eclipsing that six number i really don't but now you have to factor in that maybe Miles Sanders is not the guy for the Philadelphia Eagles, and they're going to roll with a committee, and Kenny Gainwell could be a part of that. And if that's the case, I I want no part of that. I want absolutely no part of that if I'm looking at down the potential avenue of taking a Miles Sanders. I, I No, not for me. And Miles Sanders right now going at the back end of round five. When you have Rashad Penny, Kareem Hunt, Tony Pollard, Devin Singletary, Chase Edmonds, Melvin Gordon, Kenneth Walker, Armando Stevenson all going after him, I think I would rather take the chance, even though I don't have all of them ranked above Miles Sanders, I think I would rather take the chance on all of those guys, especially someone like Tony Pollard, for example, over Miles Sanders. And, that, and that's even Devin Singletary, who right now is a starting running back for the Buffalo Bills, but I don't think will will remain a starting running back for the Buffalo Bills for the entire year, but I know it sounds it sounds crazy because we were talking about Miles Sanders potentially as someone that had a little bit of breakout potential. Now I I don't see it. I don't see it with him, and it really is a very I don't I don't want to say it's a scary situation in Philadelphia, but definitely it's uneasy right now to consider the Philadelphia Eagles as a safe haven. When it comes to fantasy football, uh, outside of Jalen Hurts, who I think is pretty safe, but I, I don't know how much I'm willing to go in on Miles Sanders at the five eleven, uh, AJ Brown at the three o five, Dallas Goddard at the seven o eight, and then Devonta Smith at the seven o nine. If I mean, if I had to pick one of them, I'd probably be taking Goddard at the set at the seven eight. If I'm being completely honest. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm really willing to go crazy over A.J. Brown at the 3-5. I think it's pretty expensive when you're looking at the likes of T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin. I like all those guys more than A.J. Brown. And it's it's a scary situation. You want to go invest in Philadelphia, so do so at your own peril. Washington, going in the complete opposite direction. We just mentioned him, Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin will finish as a top five fantasy receiver now we look have to look at the numbers from a year ago with michael Pittman and what carson wentz was able to do for michael Pittman in his sophomore year in 17 games he had 88 catches on 129 targets had over a thousand yards and six touchdowns terry mclaurin 
last year for the Washington football team at the time, now the Washington Commanders. Had, in 17 games, he had 77 catches on 130 targets, over 1,000 yards as well, and five touchdowns. Career high in touchdowns came in 2019 with seven. If Terry McLaurin is going to reach that next level and be a top five fantasy receiver, I know this one may sound like a bit of a stretch, but if he is going to be that guy, he's going to have to be in the range of 85, 90 catches over 1,200 yards, and he'll have to be close to double digits, if not double digits, for him to even be in the range of a top five fantasy receiver. But I think it's in the realm of possibility. Given you want to, people want to talk all the time about Carson Wentz this, Carson Wentz that. Carson Wentz reminds me a lot of Andy Dalton in the way that you could say what you want about Carson Wentz as a legitimate quarterback. Same with Andy Dalton, and I know I've talked about talk about Andy Dalton my fair share on this show, but Andy Dalton fielded and produced very solid fantasy options. He did it with AJ Green. He did it with Tyler Boyd for a chunk of time. And now Carson Wentz has done it. Look at what Carson Wentz did in terms of making Zach Ertz relevant for fantasy. Look at what Carson Wentz did last year with Michael Pittman. And now look what Carson Wentz potentially can do with Terry McLaurin. I also just don't buy the whole running back situation in Washington right now. I don't really want to have any part of Antonio Gibson with the rumors that Brian Robinson could be the goal line guy for uh, the commanders and then... Of course, there is the looming threat as well of Jahan Dotson, who the commanders took in this year's NFL draft, who is going to be lining up next to Terry McLaurin. But I think McLaurin is going to be the number one guy for this offense. He's going to be the focal point of everything that Washington wants to do. They just signed him to a spanky new contract where he is getting paid a ton of money, deserved contract. And now this is where Terry McLaurin now gets to show that he's worth that he's worth the money with a quarterback that can make him successful and potentially get Washington to challenge for the NFC East because I don't think that's being talked about enough that I think Washington have really improved and they probably were always a quarterback away. Could Carson Wentz be that quarterback? It's very possible that Washington could challenge the likes of the Eagles and and Dallas to win the NFC East this year and. And as of right now, they're probably my pick to win the NFC East, uh, the Washington Commanders. Let's go to the NFC North, and let's start with the Green Bay Packers. And a bit of a boring one, because I know we've talked about Alan Lazard, Christian Watson a ton on this show, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go in a different direction. So I'm going to say my bold prediction. I'm going to say Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon will both be startable fantasy options. Now, this comes with a bit of a caveat. Aaron Jones, of course, is always going to be startable. So really, this comes down to, well, A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon is going to be startable in 12 and 14 team leagues by the end of the season. And we're talking standalone. You can start him at running back, not even as a flex play on buys. No, 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 no. A.J. Dillon, will, you will be able to start him comfortably in non-bi-week situations. I think with what Green Bay are going to try and do is they're going to try and make this Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon situation 
valuable for both, and they're going to try and explore wh- what they're best at. What I think Aaron Jones is best at is being that playmaking running back, making catches, having your explosive runs, whereas A.J. Dillon is more of your Derrick Henry mold, where he's just going to put his head down and he's just going to plow forward, be that north-south runner, where Aaron Jones is more your east-west style. And A.J. Dillon, I think, has the, has more of the, if I had to pick one guy in the one or the two-yard line that I think is going to get the bulk of the carries, I probably would lean A.J. Dillon right about now. So he carries that touchdown upside where I've also talked about Aaron Jones in this podcast enough times where 90 catches is definitely within the range of possibility for someone like Aaron Jones. So the bold prediction I'm going to go with is that they both are startable at some points during the season. Much of much of the way that, you know, in years past, we've seen Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both startable. I think it's going to be a very similar situation where Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon will both be startable for fantasy managers this upcoming season. Perhaps my biggest bold prediction, I'm not sure how bold it is. Maybe you'll have to let me know on, on this one. But Dalvin Cook finishes as the RB1. And I know that sounds crazy given we've had Dalvin Cook in years past kind of struggle with with injuries, has not had a complete season in his career going into his age 27 season. But really, it's just the same song and dance every year for Dalvin Cook, is it? It, it just is. He is a guy that's going to log when he is... When he's just churning, he'll log you 250-plus carries. He'll get you your 11, 1,200 yards. And if he did not miss two games against the Detroit Lions in 2021, Dalvin Cook probably would have been a 10-plus touchdown, rushing touchdown guy. And that's what I'm projecting for him this year. Now, what would it take for Dalvin Cook to be the RB1 in fantasy? I think the receiving numbers absolutely have to go up for in, in PPR leagues for sure. Had 34 catches in 13 games last year. That's simply not good enough. That has to come up, and new Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell has said that he wants to get Dalvin Cook more involved in the pass game. I think that's great for Dalvin Cook. I think that's great for Kirk Cousins. I think it's great for the offense in general because you have that check down option with Dalvin Cook where, say, you get him you know underneath, and we see Dalvin Cook... He is an athletic freak, and he can make those catches. He can make those runs. He can shift guys. That's what he does, and that is what he is capable of. And right now, I have Dalvin Cook projected for 47 receptions. That's not going to be enough for him to be the RB1. If he can get somewhere in the range of 55, 60 catches, and then just have an absolutely just obscene monster year running the ball, where we're talking about, I have him down for about, 279 carries he would need to get in the range of 295 300 to challenge the likes of Derrick Henry Christian McCaffrey and also comes down to health where I think at this stage I definitely trust Dalvin Cook more than I trust Christian McCaffrey health wise I don't know if I'm there yet with Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry was more of a freak injury whereas Dalvin Cook has had the soft tissue situation. And same thing with Austin Eckler as well. He's had a, a history of hamstring problems uh, as well. So, if, I mean, I think I would trust... I think I would trust Henry 
uh, over Cook, and I think I would say Eckler and Cook are pretty much the same boat when it comes to the injury situation. But, of course, they're going to be challenging Jonathan Taylor. And will Jonathan Taylor give up the spot as RB1, given he is in a fabulous situation in, in, in Indianapolis? And we will talk much more about that when we get to, uh, to Indy. The Lions, this is a pretty boring one. I know I, I, I was really looking to pluck something on Amon Ross St. Brown, but I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. So I'm going to go with one that was happening last year. Then he got hurt. And it was the end of his season, uh, practically. So I'm going to say, this is kind of a cop-out one, but TJ Hawkinson will have a career year and will stay healthy for the Detroit Lions. And it's pretty simple that Jared Goff has looked his way and he is produced for fantasy. Through 13 weeks a year ago, he ranked 6th in points per game, 5th in targets per game, 1st in route participation, 3rd in target share, and 3rd in air yard share. He is the perfect, perfect, perfect post-hype sleeper for 2021 as a guy that you can go ahead and hope that he slides. I think that he will. I think if there is someone that I could see taking a bit of a slide because of bad reputation, let's say, TJ Hawkinson could be that guy currently being selected at the 6-1 is something that I would absolutely 100% consider if I am going to be going and taking someone like TJ Hawkinson at the tight end position. Now let's go to the Chicago Bears where David Montgomery is going to finish as a top 10 running back. Now, I have not been the highest on David Montgomery. I know that I have been pretty much playing down his price tag at the moment, which he is going right now, if I can find him, on Fantasy Football Calculator. He is going as the 3-5 right now, which is I think is okay. I mean, it's, it's not terrible. Uh, him going above Cam Akers, I think, is a crime, but that's neither here nor there. I do think he finishes a top 10 running back in fantasy. Now, where does the, the, the flip come from? I think it comes from Matt Eberflus, new head coach of the Chicago Bears. Where did he come from? He came from Indianapolis. Who was in Indianapolis? Jonathan Taylor. What did they want to do in Indianapolis? A whole lot that's run the football. I think running the football is going to help Justin Fields. I think it's going to take a lot of pressure off of him. The only, situa- the only uh, situation, the only problem that I have, which is a situation, mind you, is that offensive line in Chicago is dreadful. It's bad. So there is a possibility that David Montgomery that he that he could suck. There 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 definitely is that possibility um given that offensive line and the state of that offensive line and how bad it is. Um could could he be though a 1000-yard running back like he was in 2020? Yeah. It's definitely possible, and he's pretty much maintained his touchdown rate over the course of his three years in the league, six, eight, seven. So he's right there. He's right there in that in that range of where you know ten touchdowns for him is absolutely not out of the realm of possibility. He needs to get that thousand yard that thousand yard threshold, and needs to stay healthy. That going from 16, 15, 13 in terms of games is not great. Not what I love to see. So he has to stay healthy. He has to stay on the field. But when he's been on the field, he has been productive. Looking at the yards per attempt, 3.7, 4.3, 3.8. 
those are pretty good. Those are very solid numbers. He just has to stay on the field, and he's going to get the ball. He's going to get the ball. He's going to be productive. And I would also love, love if David Montgomery could be a little bit more involved in the past game. 42 catches in 2021. After 2020, he had 54. I think somewhere in the middle of that, I would be pretty happy if he could be in like that 46 to 53 catch area. I would be thrilled with with that number. I think that would be good enough, especially if David Montgomery can eclipse double-digit rushing touchdowns. I think that could be good enough to get him as a top 10 running back. And not to mention, you're looking at teams that are in his division, Minnesota, Detroit, even Green Bay to an extent. They bled against running backs a year ago. So David Montgomery has six matchups right there where if, if it repeats itself, he could have pretty decent success against six of his divisional opponents, which is, of course, good for David Montgomery and his potential in fantasy. Let's go to the NFC South, and let's start with the Buccaneers. And a deeper sort of cut, but I'm going to say Cade Otten of the Tampa Bay Bucks is going to be a startable fantasy tight end at some point during the season. Now, looking at the Buccaneers and what they have at tight end right now, Rob Gronkowski, of course, is retired. O.J. Howard has moved on to greener pastures. Cameron Braid is there. And then after that, there's really not not much else after Cameron Braid. It's Kyle Rudolph, who they signed pretty much off the street. And then it's Kate Otten, who they spent a draft pick on. We know Tom Brady loves to utilize his tight ends, especially in the red zone. And he'll be looking for his Gronk replacement. And I like the the potential upside that Kate Otten brings to the table. So a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a deeper cut here, but Kate Otten, I'm going to say, is going to be a startable tight end at some point in 2022. My bold prediction for the Buccaneers. The Saints definitely a, a bit of a. This might be a uh, one that may raise some eyebrows, but I'm going to say Chris Olave outscores Michael Thomas. Now, this is just a hunch. There is no data or numbers that's going to back this up in any way, shape, or form, but Olave has looked great in training camp while Michael Thomas still has not taken the field. He's on the pup. There are no concerns yet for the Saints, but of course, for any fantasy manager that is in, has half interested in taking Michael Thomas, of course, there are going to be concerns. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say Chris Olave turns into the guy for the New Orleans Saints, outscoring Michael Thomas and having a better fantasy season than a guy that most people are going to be selecting in round five. He's going in at the five six right now, where Chris Olave, if I can find him on Fantasy Football Calculator, Chris Olave is going at the eleven six right now. And in my ranks, I have Michael Thomas as my wide receiver 18 and Chris Olave as my wide receiver 43. So I would, I'm definitely in on Chris Olave as a wider, as my wide receiver 43. I like that price a lot at the 11.6. I like that a lot. Sign me up for that. Carolina Panthers, very unexciting one that I had to go with, but I'm going to say CMC proves he just can't be trusted again in fantasy football. We have seen Christian McCaffrey go and completely tank 
fantasy manager seasons over the last two years and is third time the charm where well you could say third time the charm in, in two uh, two two different connotations you could say third time the charm for fantasy managers to learn that christian mccaffrey can't be trusted again or you could say third time's the charm for christian mccaffrey to stay healthy I'm not going to say that Christian McCaffrey is going to stay healthy. And, and I know that I'm never the one that likes to predict injuries. But we're going off of a trend. There is a clear trend that has developed Christian McCaffrey and that he just cannot stay healthy. I like the fact that the Panthers are trying not to play him during the preseason. There is no plan right now for Christian McCaffrey to play to play in the preseason, barring something that, that happens. But as of now, the Panthers have said that Christian McCaffrey will not play at all in the preseason. So you can look at that and say, eh. You know, you want to see a bit of Christian McCaffrey, or you can look at it and say, okay, they're saving him for when it counts uh, week one versus the Cleveland Browns, and and then they're on out. But I'm just not going to be in on Christian McCaffrey, and, no- and normally I'm one of the guys that's going to sit back and say, well, if Christian McCaffrey gets to here, maybe I would consider it. It, it, it just is too risky for a guy that you're going to be, that's no doubt, going in the first seven picks it is just way, way, way too risky for me to go and basically hedge my season on Christian McCaffrey and his uh, and his muscles. So I am just out on the whole McCaffrey thing, and I hope for any fantasy managers that go and invest in that, I hope that they have more success than any fantasy managers that have had him over the last two years have had. But I, yeah, I am out on the whole McCaffrey thing, and I won't be burned by that again. I would love to be proved wrong because I wish Christian McCaffrey nothing but the best as he tries to get healthy. But Father Time just is not on his side. And as we all know, Father Time is most certainly undefeated. So Christian McCaffrey, I am out on all together. And I am predicting that most fantasy managers will follow suit um, by the end of the year and saying that Christian McCaffrey is essentially canceled in fantasy football circles. The Atlanta Falcons. I'm going to say there's no wide receiver that finishes in the top 36. Now, of course, they are notoriously thin at the wide receiver position in Atlanta. There's Drake London, who they just drafted out of USC, who they're liking. They're liking a a fair amount. Of course, they took him as the number one receiver off the board. Uh, The Atlanta Falcons did, so I hope that they would like him. But he's stood out. In, in training camp for the Falcons. There's Brian Edwards, who was acquired from the Las Vegas Raiders uh, in, a, in a trade where there were some some folks, myself included, that liked the potential that uh, Byron Edwards brought to the table when he was in Las Vegas, but it just never really panned out that way. And the next best receiver that I have on the board for the Atlanta Falcons at my as my wide receiver, 117, is Demir Bird. So I'm just really not buying the the receiver output right now in in Atlanta. I just don't want to invest in the situation. And even even someone like Kyle Pitts, I'm just not loving that at all. And I just don't trust Marcus Mariota. Even though you know we've talked about that Marcus Mariota has fielded uh, top fantasy receivers before, at least sustainable fantasy receivers before. I'm just not. I'm not in on this one. I would prefer to stay far, far away from the Atlanta Falcons, especially if you are interested in someone like Cordero Patterson, who I am very out on because he just screams very much Mike Davis to me. And I and I'm out. I'm out on that situation in Atlanta. 
So let's go to the San Francisco 49ers. I think everyone knows where I'm going with this one, especially if you've been listening to the podcast at all over the course of the summer. You know that I have been waiting for the Trey Lance announcement as the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. It has happened, and finally we get to speculate what the 49ers are going to be with Trey Lance as the confirmed starter for the 49ers. I'm going to say Trey Lance finishes the top three quarterback. Now, there are concerns with Trey Lance and his arm, but Trey Lance also played a season last year where he had to completely change his grip because he had an injury on his throwing hand. That, for any quarterback, regardless of whether you're the purest passer in the world or whether you're the sloppiest passer in the world, that is going to be tough for anybody to deal with. Now put that under the, under the shoes of a rookie quarterback who there are a lot of heads scratched when he was taken as the first quarterback off the board two years ago. Now, here we are. Trey Lance is going to be the starter. And we're loving life. We're loving life, especially if you are someone that loves running quarterbacks, that loves the upside that those quarterbacks bring to the table. Trey Lance is going to be everything that you would want and more. I could realistically say, and I don't ever want to you know, place unnecessary hype around a player, but when you look at Trey Lance and you look at the athleticism that he brings to the table, is it possible that Trey Lance you could be talking about as an 8-9 rushing touchdown guy, if not 10? It's possible. It's in the range of outcomes for sure. The only thing where I am a little worried, or not not necessarily worried, but I want to see where I'm curious about is how he looks as a passer. And I think when you're looking at preseason, because a lot of people will say, ah, preseason, you know, who really cares? Preseason is a great opportunity, even if it's in limited spurts, to watch certain guys and how they look. Not necessarily, not really looking out for someone like Tom Brady or Matt Stafford, or you know, guys who are established, guys you know who they're about. But guys like Trey Lance, guys like Damian Pierce, for example, who Pep Hamilton in practice today said could be the starting running back for the Houston Texans. So uh, we'll get to the Texans in, in a minute. Um, those are the kind of guys you want to look out for. I think Trey Lance is a great example of that. I think if you're going to be looking for a fantasy situation that you want to look at or study or see how it looks, even in limited action, the San Francisco 49ers have got to be the team that you have to look on, to look at. Because looking at what this offense is going to be with Trey Lance, that's going to be very key to how we as an industry, as a community, as fantasy football players are going to be looking at drafting Trey Lance. If in limited action, the offense is stalling out and the offense doesn't look good, then Trey Lance is going to fall down boards because people are not going to be confident. But if the offense is moving, if Trey Lance looks explosive, he looks competent, then Trey Lance is going to continue to rise up draft boards. And right now, the the hype is very much centered in on Trey Lance. Currently, he is going in the ninth round. And I expect that to go up. I really do. And I think he finishes as a top three quarterback in fantasy this year. Crazy. Crazy, I know. But with the rushing upside that he brings to the table, 
you can't rule it out. You can't rule it out what he can do with his legs. Cause we've seen Lamar Jackson basically be a top five QB with uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Capped arm talent. I think Trey Lance has a better pure arm than Lamar Jackson does. It just needs to be polished. And if Trey Lance can polish that, the kid's a star. Kid's a star in the making. And he's in a great situation in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, who's not going to put him in many terrible situations or situations in which he can be exploited. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. But I, I really do like Trey Lance as a potential fantasy star this year. The defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. And I'm going to go to my son, Cam Akers. Cam Akers will lead the league in rushing touchdowns. Now, there is a basis to this prediction. You're looking at Sean McVay. What does Sean McVay like to do more than any other coach? That's run the ball. Over the last two years, there has not been a coach that has run more times in ahead of the five-yard line than Sean McVay has. So no head coach has called more runs inside the five than Sean McVay. And Cam Akers, whether you want to believe in the talent or not, he's going to be the starting running back for the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, that's a situation that I want to be very much involved in. Very, very, very much so. Especially as, as a guy who's young, Coming off of a big injury, I, I understand that. Did not look that great in the playoffs. For all the fantasy managers that w- are wondering, you know, why the price is falling on Cam Akers, it's because people are nervous about the injury, quite frankly. And I say let them. Let them worry about the injury. Let him keep sliding. Because the, the further he falls, the happier that's going to make me. Because I, I'm going to want my fair share of Cam Akers this year. It wouldn't surprise me. I'm currently in nine leagues right now. It wouldn't surprise me at all if I have Cam Akers in about all nine. It re- it really wouldn't. It would not surprise me one bit. I want everything and more to do with this situation in Los Angeles, and I'm all in on on Cam Akers and leading the league in rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I I can I can get behind that. Seattle Seahawks Noah Fant a top ten tight end. Now, as we know, the tight end situation in just the league in general for fantasy, is not great. It is, quite frankly, terrible. It is very, very, very thin, and there is a lot of potential for certain guys to come out of nowhere. Noah Fant could be one of those guys, and I think what really helps him is the fact that his good buddy Drew Locke is with him in Seattle. And we've talked about this, we've joked about this on the podcast consistently, but when Drew Locke drops back, he is looking for one guy and one guy only. That is no offense. He's looking for that guy. Just plain and simple. He is absolutely 100% looking for that guy. And if no offense is going to be the guy that's running routes down the middle of the field with Drew Locke passing passing the ball, I'm very confident that Drew Locke is going to be able to at least look the direction of no offense. Now is it going to be able to complete the passes is a completely different situation. But no offense, I think, is going to be someone that's talked about. That's not talked about enough during the pre-draft process, but then as we get closer to draft day and in the middle of the season, maybe week one, week two, he could be the kind of guy that a lot of people just zero in on and say, oh, I, I got to go pick him up because he's got name value. We've seen him be productive in the past, and he's in a situation where there are targets available, 
and they are going to look to use him as much as they possibly can in Seattle. So now let's move on to the Arizona Cardinals, and we're going to go for a guy that currently is going to be suspended for the first couple of weeks of the season, precisely six, and that is DeAndre Hopkins will be a top five fantasy receiver upon his return. Very simply, Kyler Murray's got to throw the ball somewhere, and Hollywood Brown is not very reliable in my eyes. So DeAndre Hopkins is going to be in a prime situation when he returns to Arizona to be the focal point of what should be a very high-powered offense. Obviously, they gave Kyler Murray a fresh contract extension rather controversially in the offseason due to the language of said contract, if you know, you know. And Hopkins is going to, of course, miss the first six weeks. But when he returns, I expect Kyler Murray and him to be very much on the same page. I think Cliff Kingsbury is going to make it a point of emphasis to get DeAndre Hopkins very much involved on offense. And upon his return, I believe he will be a top five receiver in fantasy football. Now, as we've mentioned on this program countless times, you cannot draft DeAndre Hopkins, excuse me, if you expect that your team is not going to be good because DeAndre Hopkins will not help you if your team is 1-5 or 0-6. But if you manage to go 2-4, 3-3 or better, then yeah, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be of help to you. But you better make sure that you can get there before you even consider potentially taking DeAndre Hopkins in your fantasy league drafts. So now with the NFC done, let's go to the AFC and we'll start with the AFC East and with the New England Patriots, Ramondre Stevenson will be the starter for the New England Patriots by the end of the season. Bill Belichick, of course, big friend of fantasy football. I don't know if maybe you heard today that Bill Belichick doesn't really care for fantasy. I know it's a real surprise. Bill Belichick doesn't care for fantasy football. I know. But I think this comes down more to that Ramondre Stevenson could be more of a talented runner than Damian Harris is. I know Damian Harris has a more north-south sort of style. Ramondre Stevenson more east-west. I think Ramondre Stevenson could improve on that, that north-south sort of style that he's lacking and become more of a more of a threat in the in the running game for the New England Patriots, maybe have some some end zone appeal. Maybe he could score a little bit more, hopefully, because that really is what it's going to be. It's going to be what it takes. I mean, Damon Harris talking about a double digit touchdown guy from a year ago, so it's going to take a lot to usurp Damon Harris. But I think Ramondre Stevenson can do it because I believe in the talent there, and I think there is opportunity as well for him to become the main guy in New England. I think he does get that opportunity this year with the New England Patriots. The New York Jets, Tyler Conklin is the Jets' tight end to own. Now, I do not expect that Tyler Conklin is going to become the starter for the New York Jets. That is not, or excuse me, I know he will be the starter for the New York Jets, but what I'm saying is I don't think Tyler Conklin is going to be necessarily a big-time fantasy contributor right off the jump, but is it possible that Tyler Conklin is someone that you can, you know, put on a watch list and just kind of monitor him and see where he's at in a couple weeks' time, and then maybe at week four, week five, if you have a little bit of a hole at tight end, maybe Tyler Conklin can fill that. It's definitely possible. It's definitely within the range of possibilities. Uh, I do like Tyler Conklin a, a fair bit. I know I started him a fair share last year. <coughs> Excuse me. Ooh, needed to get that one out. Uh, I know I did start Tyler Conklin a, a fair share last year uh, when he was in Minnesota. But now he's with the New York Jets. They also have C.J. Uzama. They drafted Garrett Wilson. Elijah Moore is back drafted Brees Hall. There's a lot of options with the New York Jets. So I think Tyler Conklin, if there's one Jets tight end that I would want to potentially monitor, Tyler Conklin is the one for me over C.J. Uzama. 
The Miami Dolphins, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle will both finish outside the top 12 of the receivers. And I am not a fan of Tua. I think we have made that abundantly clear on this podcast. And I think Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle will be fine. I'm not going to say they're both going to be busts. I think one of them will probably end up being the main guy to look for here. I think it would be Tyreek Hill. But I just don't trust Tua to be the guy. I don't trust him to be the guy, and I think there is a real possibility that both these players finish outside in their own outside the top twelve in their own position. And I'm that's the bold prediction I'm going to go for. Now, again, if there is one that I think is going to be the better of the two, I think I would put my money on Tyreek Hill over Jalen Waddle. But it comes down to you have to love the quarterback in order to really love the receiver, and vice versa. If you love the receiver, you got to love the quarterback a little bit. And I don't know really a lot of people that are just slamming the desk right now for. For either Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle, because their quarterback is Tua Tagovailoa, who has not been durable enough throughout his career so far in the NFL, nor has he really been all that impressive, if I'm being really honest. So uh, I'm out on both Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I don't want really any part in either of them. Uh, Tyreek Hill, I recently moved down in my ranks. I have him as my wide receiver 10, and Jalen Waddle, I have all the way down as my wide receiver 20. I, I want I want nothing to do with either one of them. I think I'm pretty out uh, in general when it comes to the Miami Dolphins. <clears throat> the Buffalo Bills gave Davis a very popular choice to be a breakout pick for 2022. We'll finish outside the top 24 receivers in full point PPR. I like Gabe Davis. I, I think there is a, a certain amount of appeal there. Um, given that he is a part of the Buffalo Bills, there that is a high-powered offense. They are going to be passing a lot. I think that's good news. I, I think that is, you know, I'm a big Stefan Diggs guy, so you got to like Gabe, Gabe Davis a little bit. But the problem is, is that what is Gabe Davis's? What is his ceiling week to week? Really, is he a guy that we're going to be talking about? That is going to be a 75, 80 catch guy? No. I don't think so. I don't think so at all. And we're talking about a guy as well that over the last two years has been pretty much dead in line with his statistics. 16 games in 2020 and 2021. 35 catches in both years. 62 and 63 targets in 2020 and 2021. 599 versus 549 last year. And then seven touchdowns to six touchdowns for Gabe Davis' 2020 and 2021 splits. We're expecting now Gabe Davis to take a massive jump, and I understand that there is a lot there that is signaling towards that. Cole Beasley is no longer there. Emmanuel Sanders is no longer there. But it's really hard to jump in on a guy that is his... Does he have double touchdown upside? Yes, he does. I think realistically, his number probably is somewhere in around eight. That's what I have him down for in, in my projections. I don't have him down as a thousand-yard guy. And I'm going to say that there's other receivers that are going around him right now that maybe have a bit more PPR appeal. Guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, guys like Elijah Moore, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, even, even, someone, even someone like Rashad Bateman to a point, I think has a bit more appeal there than Gabe Davis does. So I'm going to say Gabe Davis, even though I do think he's a top 30 option when when this is all said and done, I'm going to say he finishes outside the top 24 at the receiver position.
the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Mixon is going to record 20-plus total touchdowns. I know that is a humongous number that I am calling for for the bold prediction, but we're going to go with it. Joe Mixon, 20-plus total touchdowns. A year ago, he had 16 total I think it's very possible that he could get to that 20 number. All he, needs, all he needs to do is continue to stay healthy, continue to be productive, and he was very productive last year, over 1,200 yards and 13 touchdowns on the ground. The only issue that I have with Joe Mixon is looking at his touchdown numbers throughout his career. Before the 13 that he had last year, his career high was 8 in terms of on the ground if we're doing if we're doing his combined numbers. The most touchdowns that he's had in, in a year is 9 before last year where he – just shot through the cannon to, to 16. All signs are pointing towards that there is going to be some sort of regression coming with Joe Mixon. Do I think that's probably going to happen? Yes, I do. But of course, we're being bold. We're having a little fun with this. So there is a possibility when there is an avenue that Joe Mixon can, can improve on 16 total touchdowns, get to 20, and that could be enough for Joe Mixon if he's able to repeat 1,200 yards and he's, we're talking 20 total touchdowns. We could be talking Joe Mixon as a potential top three running back in fantasy football. The Pittsburgh Steelers now. Jake, I'm sorry. Chase Claypool will have more fantasy points than Deontay Johnson. And I know that this is going to you know, wow some people. But I'm just not a Deontay Johnson guy. I never really have been. He's just not my cup of tea at all. And I think with a quarterback change, whether it is Mitch Trubisky, whether it is Kenny Pickett, I think it's going to benefit Chase Claypool a whole heck of a lot because last year it just did not work for him with, with Big Ben. He needed somebody else to come in and be the guy. And now he's got that. He's got somebody else. He has got somebody else now that's going to be able to get him the ball. And we're hoping that the Steelers will now be able to open up that offense a little bit more, which is going to be great for someone like Chase Claypool. The touchdown upside, I think, is greater with Claypool than it is with Deontay Johnson as well. So I'm going to ride with that one. It's a little bold, but I'm going to ride with the Chase Claypool more fantasy points in 2022 than Deontay Johnson. Lamar Jackson will have more rushing touchdowns than any running back on the Baltimore Ravens. My bold prediction for that, I think Lamar Jackson is just, he's hes this team's QB1, he's his team's RB1. I've said it a thousand times on this show that I think he's probably the most explosive runner in the entire league. And I think it's going to continue to prove itself this year. I mean, Lamar Jackson going into a contract year as well, I, I, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving everything that is just going the way of Lamar Jackson right now. He's going to be in a tough, in a tough division, though. That is definitely something to look out for. Cincinnati's defense is going to continue. It's going to be continuously improved. Of course, coming off of a Super Bowl season, Super Bowl run, Super Bowl appearance, uh, Cleveland their defense will be improved, and I expect that Cleveland will be you know competing if Deshaun Watson's suspension is upheld and he is only out for six games and Cleveland there's a window there for them to potentially contend for an AFC wildcard spot and the Steelers defense is always going to be rock solid compact and will always be a tough challenge so the, the his own division is, it's very 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 tough but Lamar Jackson is just a different breed he's a gifted 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 athlete and what I see with him guy's a star 
guy's a star. You don't need me to tell you that. But I think at the end of the day, I'm looking at Lamar Jackson. I'm looking at the guys that he has in his backfield at the running back position. Lamar Jackson is just way more talented than all of them. I think he has more rushing touchdowns at the end of the year than any running back that you have back there, whether it's J.K. Dobbins, whether it's Gus Edwards, whomever it may be. I think Lamar Jackson will have more touchdowns than any of them. The Cleveland Browns. The bold prediction, kind of going off of the one that I the one that I just kind of said that, you know, Deshaun Watson and what's going to happen with his suspension. The bold prediction here is that Deshaun Watson's suspension will last the entire year and no Cleveland Browns are rosterable besides Nick Chubb. It's a bold call for sure because we're talking about the guys of like guys like Kareem Hunt, guys like Amari Cooper, David Njoku. It's a lot of name value that you know we're leaving out of that conversation. But I just don't want to invest in this Browns offense without Deshaun Watson. And if there's no Deshaun Watson, I don't know what this offense is going to look. It, it could be a dumpster fire. This could just be a wing year for Cleveland. They could just be like, oh, you know what? Okay, we'll pay him. He's got to sit for a year, pay for his sins, and he'll be back next year, and we run it then. That's it's completely possible. That's that could be what happens. Uh, in Cleveland. Do I want to invest in that? Do I want to really invest in a situation that maybe the Cleveland Browns are going to just say, ah, you know what, it's a wing year? No. No, I don't want to invest in that. I want to stay as far away from that as I possibly can. And even with the prices right now, if we just look at the ADPs of members of the Cleveland Browns, Nick Chubb at the 2-2, yeah, no thanks. No thanks. I will will definitely take a pass on that. Amari Cooper at the 6-7, Eh, not bad. I think I'd rather take the chance on someone like Darnell Mooney or Cortland Sutton, even Hollywood. Guys that I know will have their quarterbacks. Jerry Judy at the same price as well. Uh, I think I think that's pretty nice. Gabe Davis I think I'd rather take a chance on, guy we just talked about. Um, and then let's see if I can find where Kareem Hunt is going. Kareem Hunt is going at 6-7 as well. Okay, so same spot as Amari Cooper. Yeah, I don't want that. No, thank you. And then Deshaun Watson's price, he's probably going in like the in, in the later rounds, so it really doesn't matter. So you could probably just take a flyer on him anyway, because of the quarterback position being just so flush with talent. But at the but really, I just do not want to invest in this offense all that much. And even even Nick Chubb, I don't want any part of. Now, do I think Nick Chubb is going to be seeing him on waiver wires? No, I don't. Uh, because of what this offense could be without Deshaun Watson. But the rest of those guys, yes, I can definitely see a situation where uh, Kareem Hunt is not rosterable. Amari Cooper is not rosterable. And same with someone like David Njoku as well. The AFC South. Let's start with the Colts. Michael Pittman will finish with 10-plus touchdowns in a third-year breakout. I love Michael Pittman coming into the year. I, I really, really like what he's going to bring to the table. And even with a an offense that last year was... Very run first, of course, they wanted to feature Jonathan Taylor. Michael Pittman was still very, very impressive. 88 catches on 129 targets, over 1,000 yards, 6 touchdowns for him. I I think that there's definite appeal with Michael Pittman as 24-year-old receiver going into his third year. Matt Ryan is going to be looking for someone that he can rely on. I think Michael Pittman could be that guy, and I like him as a great shout to finish with 10-plus receiving touchdowns this year, which definitely would put him in the conversation to finish as a top 12 receiver 
in fantasy. With the Jaguars, we're going to go same route of positivity. Travis Etienne record over 1,000-plus total yards. Now, you could be saying right now, Bird, 1,000 total, that's it? That's, that's, that's not really that bold. But you got to look at it this way. He's going to be in a, in, a, in a situation with James Robinson, potentially, where they're sharing a backfield. And if that's the case, then 1,000 yards total is going to be great for Travis Etienne. It's going to be really, really good for Travis Etienne. So it really is looking like it's going to be a bit of a timeshare. Now, obviously, we have not seen James Robinson hit the field yet. We don't know when James Robinson is going to hit the field. But a 1,000-yard total season for Travis Etienne when you combine rushing and receiving, yeah, yeah, I can get on I can get on board with that. And I think he's going to be a pretty decent threat in the pass game as well. 53 receptions I have him down for. Sign me up in, in, in PPR leagues for that kind of production in the passing game with someone like Trevor Lawrence, who trusts Travis Etienne. Of course, they went to Clemson together historically, famously. And there's going to be a level of, of, of trust there between the two. So I like it. I like it a lot for Travis Etienne, who right now you can get Travis Etienne at the 4-7. I like it. I like it because there's significant upside with someone like Etienne, where you can take him. He's in a... Not great, but not terrible situation because there is some level of appeal with being with his college quarterback uh, in in Jacksonville, as we have seen with the likes of Tua and Jalen Waddle last year, and then of course uh, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, the most famous duo of the ball. So could that be a situation where Trevor Lawrence is going to be looking the way of Travis Etienne? It's definitely possible. It really is, and I like Travis Etienne a fair bit at that four seven price. I'm definitely going to be. Uh, targeting ETN in a, in a couple of spots wherever I can uh, I can get him within reason. Now the negative, the Tennessee Titans. No Titan, no Titan not named Derrick Henry is startable. That includes Ryan Tannehill. That includes Traylon Burks. That includes Robert Woods. That includes Austin Hooper. I don't think any of them will be startable in fantasy at any, at, at any point. Now, obviously, in 14-team leagues, that is a different situation because roster situations, you know, they're, they're, they vary. But in 12-team leagues, I do not think any Titan besides Derrick Henry will be startable. Derrick Henry will be the only one. And that is a dire, dire situation. Because, uh, and, and listen, I like Traylon Burks. I will probably have my fair share of Burks in some places. But I'm not going to be having Robert Woods. I'm not going to be having Austin Hooper. I think Jake is one of the ones that makes this point whenever he likes a guy or doesn't like a guy. And I agree with it to an extent. That you're looking at a guy, If he is he going to help you win a championship? Do I really see a guy like Robert Woods or Austin Hooper winning anybody championships? No. Do I see Ryan Tannehill winning people championships? No, I don't. Do I even see... Do I see even see Traylon Burks winning people championships? Not really. Not really. The only guy in that in that situation that I think can win people championships is Derrick Henry because, well, he's done it before, and I think he can definitely do it again. But this that's a situation I want no part of in Tennessee, and I'm out on the Titans altogether, unless I'm getting Derrick Henry at a, at a ridiculous spot in the first round at, like, 6th, 7th overall. Then maybe I would consider it, but at... 
three or four, that's a little rich uh, for me, despite the dominance of Derrick Henry. And I know that Derek, uh, Jake is very high on Derrick Henry. I'm just not there. I moved Derrick Henry down in my PPR ranks to my RB5. The Houston Texans, and I mean, I, it sucks that I have to, you know, cross this one out because this was going to be my bold prediction, but Pep Hamilton kind of beat me to it, was that Damian Pierce is the week one starter for the Houston Texans, and he does not look back. And it's looking it's looking likely that that's probably what's going to happen, which is great news for the fantasy community. It's another running back that's going to be the starter in a, in, a, in a meh situation, but it's another starter. It's another starter that you can call on as a fourth or a fifth option with some level of upside. I, I like it. I like it a lot because Pep Hamilton, the offensive coordinator for the Texans, has been really talking up Damian Pierce a lot. That he's looked good, that he has shown throughout training camp. And the most important thing, like I said with Trey Lance, this is another situation that you want to watch the preseason games for. You want to see how Damian Pierce looks, but you also want to see what his competition looks like. You want to see what Marlon Mack looks like. You want to see what Rex Burkhead looks like to see if there's any real threat to Damian Pierce. And if Damian Pierce is far and away the best looking out of the three, then he becomes more of an appealing fantasy option. But if he looks a little bit undermatched or overmatched, uh, not looking like he's going to really deliver in year one, then maybe that's a situation that you try and steer off of. But given what Pep Hamilton has been talking about with Davion Pierce, I'm loving it. But I can't count that as a bold prediction because Pep kind of beat me to it. The AFC West, the last one on our list. Devontae Adams is going to finish outside the top 10 wide receivers. Now, if you listened to the debate show, which you can go check out. It is the most recent show before this one. You will hear Jake and I go at it about Devontae Adams. And I love Devontae Adams. I will always love Devontae Adams. But it is obvious, and anybody who is going to say, including Jake and including Adam, that Devontae Adams going to Las Vegas is a better situation or more stable situation, they're wrong. They're they're, they're flat out wrong. There are definite concerns and definite avenues where Devontae Adams does not finish as a top 10 receiver at the position because of the competition that exists in Las Vegas. Have they paid him handsomely? Yes, they have. They have paid him quite handsomely. But that does not mean that he is going to deliver. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that. because And we don't know what his ceiling is now with Derek Carr. We know what his ceiling is with Aaron Rodgers, but he's not with Aaron Rodgers. He's with Derek Carr. And no one is going to say that Derek Carr is going to be able to do to him what Aaron Rodgers did to Devontae Adams. I'm sorry. There is no plausible way it's going to happen. Despite the points that I expect scored from the AFC West, I just don't see it with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver. Devontae Adams, I have him finishing outside the top 10. That's a bold prediction that I have. Unlikely? Maybe. Possible? Yes. Absolutely 100% possible. And I don't think uh, I don't think many people are looking at it that way because they just see the name Devontae Adams and they remember, of course, him being in Green Bay, but not in Green Bay anymore. So we're not in Kansas anymore, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, that the Devontae Adams Aaron Rodgers stack that has won me multiple championships in the past, I will never have again, and it's quite sad. It really, it really is. The Kansas City Chiefs. 
Juju Smith-Schuster is the leader of the Chiefs wide receiving core and will finish as a top 12 receiver. Very simple for me. This is a guy that is going to be the number one wide receiver for Patrick Mahomes. You need more than that? We've seen Juju be productive. We've seen Juju Smith-Schuster have really, really good seasons before. Namely, 2018. 16 games, 111 catches, 166 targets, over 1,400 yards, 7 touchdowns. In 2020, a very good year as well. 16 games, 97 catches, 100, on 128 targets, 831 yards, 9 touchdowns. I think that there is a bounce back that is coming for Juju Smith-Schuster this year with Kansas City. I'm And I am going to be wanting my fair share of Juju going in round eight right now. Mm, yep. Yep. Give me all of that. Give me all of that, please, and thank you. The Los Angeles Chargers, Isaiah Spiller becomes a thorn in the side for Austin Eckler fantasy managers. Now, Isaiah Spiller has been someone that's been raising a lot of eyebrows at Chargers camp. He has looked good. He has looked physical and this this is a player that offers a little bit of something different from Austin Eckler where you look at you look at Isaiah Spiller this is a guy that was a a big time big time contributor for the AM Aggies a year ago he had 10 rushing touchdowns his true freshman season in 2019 he's a bruiser more of a north south sort of runner with some with some east west uh, flexibility he has the ability to be a three-down guy if need be due to an Austin Eckler injury. He's a player that I'm very excited about, and I think that this could be the the new Melvin Gordon in a couple years' time. If not, this could be the guy that eventually replaces Austin Eckler as your starter for the Los Angeles Chargers. And I think this year he's going to get the opportunity in certain situations to show that he can be that guy. I think it's going to be a pain in the ass at times for Austin Eckler managers. Now, I don't think it's enough to, you know, completely cripple Austin Eckler's value. I'm not saying that. But are there going to be situations where maybe Isaiah Spiller gets a carry, the one of the two-yard line that maybe is designed for Austin Eckler? Yeah, it's quite possible. And Austin Eckler fantasy managers are not going to love it. So I, I think that's going to be what ends up happening. I, I like Isaiah Spiller. I, I think I have to preface this that Isaiah Spiller is your handcuff for Austin Eckler. This is the guy you have to go get. It's not Josh Kelly. I don't, I don't. No, no, no. I don't want to hear about Larry Roundtree. No, 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 no. It is Isaiah Spiller. Boston Eckler needs to be paired with Isaiah Spiller. This is your guy to get. This is the handcuff. Go get him and watch the Chargers in the preseason because he will get plenty of opportunity to show what he has. Now, he's not going to be the fastest guy in the field, but is he going to be one of the most physical? Yes. Yes, he will. And last up, the Denver Broncos. Cortland Sutton will record over 1,200 yards and 10-plus touchdowns. Ladies and gentlemen, say hello to the new DK Metcalf on the scene for the Denver Broncos. Jake has completely coerced me into this one, and I'm really loving it with Cortland Sutton. I love the upside that he brings to the table. Russell Wilson is going to be looking at both him and Jerry Judy, but if I had to pick one right now, 
that I think would is going to end up being the guy for the Denver Broncos. I'm going to lean with Cortland Sutton, and I think he has a monster year coming for him. I think it starts week one on Monday Night Football. The Broncos against his for, against Russell Wilson's former team, the Seattle Seahawks. I think that is a monster, monster game waiting to happen for Cortland Sutton. He just has to stay on the field. Please, Cortland, stay on the field. Please. Please. For my, for my inner, for my mental sanity. Please. Anyway, that's going to be it for this edition of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, leave a five-star review. Tell us how much you love the program. And make sure to subscribe. And leave a link in, I'm leaving a link in the episode description. Please send in your questions for a mailback. We'll be doing that within the next couple of weeks. Uh, drafts are coming, so any draft-related questions, any football-related questions that you want to ask us, ask it in the mailbag. Go for it. I will have no problem answering it. What we're here for. So, for the Baseball Podcast Fantasy Show, I'm Bert. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.